Hello again, Fight fans. Welcome to episode number 262 of the Neutral Corner Boxing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Montero, for Ring Magazine, ringtv.com, and of course, the Ring Digital YouTube channel where you're checking me out live right now. Quick reminder, make sure you're subscribed. Make sure you click that notification bell because as we discover every week, somehow, some way, YouTube unsubscribes a bunch of people. So uh, TNC 262 for the week of April 17th. And if you want to call in, phone lines will be open. In the USA, it's 213-267-7787. In the UK, 0281-036051. We're about to be joined by Sonny Kanto, undefeated American heavyweight, 7-0, six knockouts, coming off a KO1 win in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Didn't even get three minutes of work in. Uh, This guy punches like a freaking mule. I think uh, he's only seen the second round twice so far in seven pro fights. So uh, real quick, guys, news and notes before we bring Sonny on, because I think he was uh, getting himself set up with the Wi-Fi. Uh, News and notes, not a whole lot going on this week. We're still in a holding pattern with Fury Joshua. I know a bunch of you guys have been asking me, I don't know shit. I don't know what's going on. Uh, You know, Tyson Fury says one thing one day, he says something completely opposite the next day. And then, of course, Eddie Hearn keeps leaking a little bit of information, but it feels like it's clickbait. It feels like um, it's just to keep people nibbling and interested. I know that they're still working out the site and all that, the site fee, the actual site, the venue, all of that. There's a few different contenders. In the world of COVID, with all the restrictions we have, as big as that fight is, and remember, it's a two-fight deal. I've been telling you guys for years, if they fight, this is basically the heavyweight version of Canelo Golovkin. They're going to fight two or three times. Uh, In a a COVID world, there's limited options here in the United States. But if you put that overseas, there are some countries that will pay crazy bank to put that fight on. And I think that's what Sir Eddie is trying to negotiate right now. So I can't really give you guys any information on that. I know a bunch of you have been asking. Right now, it's the same old same. We're just kind of in a holding pattern there. As far as uh, Jaime Munguia, he was set to face uh, the Polish fighter, Macy Sulecki. April 24th in Texas, that is scrapped. Not the fight, but the the fighter, uh, Sulecki, is out because he has an injury. He hasn't disclosed what it is, but he's injured. He's out. So they're bringing in Demetrius Ballard, and they're changing the date to April 23rd, which I think is a Friday. That's at the Don Haskins Center in El Paso, Texas. And uh, the WBA has ordered uh, Murder John Akhmedayalev to face Ronnie Rios is mandatory for one of his titles. They need to get a deal done by May 6th. I like that fight. I think it's a pretty good fight. Okay, so let's bring on a guest here. Hang on one second, guys. <laughs> All right, uh, let's bring Sonny on the show. Sonny, what's up? Can you hear me? Hey, how you guys doing? Thanks for good, having good. me. Good, good. How you doing, man? Good, good. I'm digging the chain, man, with the Bronco right there. That's dope. Oh, I'm, I'm digging you. that. I got mine, but it's just a chain. I used to have a piece on there, but I busted it off. Uh, so, man, uh, it's not even 48 hours uh, from from your knockout win Saturday. Are you back in Philly? Yeah, I'm back in Philly. Uh, okay. Did a morning run this morning. So I'm right I'm right back into the groove. Uh, Going to hit yeah. the gym after this interview and, uh, you know, just staying ready. So you still got your two-a-days going. So, like, you didn't even break a sweat barely Saturday. Hey, you don't get paid for overtime. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, so I, I was actually talking during the intro. I think, correct me if I'm wrong on this, but you've only seen the second round twice as a pro, right? Everything else was a yeah. KO1. Yes. 
Okay. No, I, I had a four round uh, decision, right. unanimous decision. So um, you went four rounds once, and I think one was a second round knockout. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly. And then I noticed um, for this fight. So this was your first fight since the pandemic, and yeah, you gained about fifteen pounds, right? And and it was it was solid. So that's something you planned to do, correct? Yeah, of course. Uh, you know, the goal is always to. Uh, I started my professional uh, career, I think, at like two hundred and fourteen pounds. Um, so, you know, we, you know, these, these new generation of heavyweights are, are bigger, you know what I mean? Uh, so yeah, that's definitely the goal. Uh, you know, the strength and, uh, conditioning and Mm -hmm. of course my meals and things like that. Um, so I'm, I'm comfortable at two 30. Uh, I would like to get more tight and more solid, uh, which you'll see that next way and I'll be more tight and more solid. Okay. Uh, but I, I think even maybe even another like five more five more pounds or or maybe even ten more pounds. I mean, I have the frame for it. So that's what I was going to ask. I mean, do you have like a strength and conditioning coach that's working on that with you, or is that something that you guys are just doing on top of the boxing, where you're just trying to get more calories in? Yeah. So uh, I train um, with LCM LCM on the side LCM Fitness. Uh, that's my boy. He does my strength and conditioning as well as my father. Um, and, you know, that's we do that certain amount of days a week. We box every day. We okay. spar certain days of the week. And uh, we just, you know, just go hard and just go hard, stay focused, train hard. And I really just listen to my dad. He, uh, you know, he, he's got like a crazy brain in his box. And, stuff. <laughs> and uh, I just believe and trust in him and of course he believes and trusts in me so right he 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 puts together the game plans and i just go out there and execute them um and you know of course he was critiquing critiquing me about the knockout as well uh you know things that i had did wrong and stuff like right. that he didn't think it was the best uh but yeah you know it is I, i'm young uh i got a ton of room for improvement and, uh, you know, I just want to get better. And um, I'm focused like never before. Um, you know, there's a lot to prove. And uh, so, yeah, the sky's the limit. Yeah, I wanted to, um, if we could back up, for because you're just starting to get known by a lot of boxing fans. You know, uh, they're just starting. Like, in Philly, everybody knows you when you came up in the amateurs. But outside, more globally now, you're starting to get on the radar, especially with that highlight reel knockout you scored Saturday. If you could talk a little bit about just your background in boxing, your dad trained you, did he fight? Is boxing a family thing? Because you started at 10 years old, if uh, if I heard correctly. If I'm wrong, yes. tell me. But Yes. Okay. Yeah, so uh, growing up, you know, I, I was always in and out of the gym. I played baseball as well. Uh, so, yeah, boxing, I feel like it is in my blood and, and definitely the powers in my blood. I, I just, I'm just a born puncher. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. Teddy Atlas said, punchers are born. They're not made. And that's, that's a fact. Uh, so yeah, you know, actually my first fight was at 119 pounds. So I heard that. Yeah. How old were you? I was about 12 years old, I'd say. Okay. 12, okay. 13. Uh, so that's why you can tell I keep my, the way I am and move in the ring. I think that had a lot to do with it. You know what I mean? And uh, my father just always was, he was with me from the beginning. Uh, I, he, he came up under 
a really well-known uh, trainer in, the, in 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 South Philly, and uh, you know he he's always been in the fight game and things like that. So I mean, he he knows what he's doing, and like I said, I, I believe in him, and he believes in me. So uh, that's that's really what what it is, you know what I mean? That that matters. Uh, belief believing is half of it, you know what I mean? Oh yeah. So uh, yeah. Did he up. did he like put you in the boxing, or is it something no, it was, you were it was, interested in? Yeah, I was interested in it. So I was okay. always a physical kid growing up, you know, whether it was fighting in the street or wanting to wrestle or you know what I mean, slap tapping or whatever it was. I was just always a physical kid. And uh, it's just, I, one day I just told my mom, like, mom, I want a box. So she had brought me to a gym and uh, it's been history ever since. And, and, you know, since I walked in the gym, I was sparring, I was sparring pros at a young age. You know what I mean? Just, just my, my, uh, my power and, and the way I, I was aggressive, you know what I mean? Like guys like Hank Lundy, when mm-hmm. he was, you know, 15 and 0 at the time. I, you know what I mean? I, I was always in there with pros growing up. So, you know, I, I mean, I, and I always loved, I've never loved anything as much as I loved boxing. So uh, that's just is what it is. So you, I know you wrestled in high school. You talked about playing baseball, but you would say boxing is like always been the top thing. Yeah, for sure. And high okay. school was the first time that I have ever wrestled in my life. I never grew up wrestling I just wrestled in high school and I got some varsity time and stuff like that you know what I mean so like I said I've always been a competitive aggressive you know uh just a a rough kid you know what I mean (laughs) do you have brothers or sisters like do you have a lot of brothers that you guys would fight you're only child wow in an Italian family what happened there Yeah. yeah right that's rare, man. That's rare. Uh, All the piece of work. <laughs> we got to talk about the Italian thing a little bit. Um, are you, is being an Italian American, look, there's, there's a rich tradition with Italian American fighters in boxing, right? Of course it goes back almost to the beginning, um, but not as much today. You know, it's not what it once was. Is, is your heritage, is that an important thing to you with, Absolutely. Your boxing brand, or is it just in the background? Yeah, no, that's everything to me. Uh, you know what I mean? That's I feel like that's who I am, mm-hmm. and uh, that's where I come from. You know what I mean? Uh, every Sunday, and you know, certain nights of the week is spaghetti and pasta <laughs> and things like that. So it's definitely Italian on this side. You got the uh, Sunday gravy and all that at Grandma's sure. house. Like that was my childhood, man. So for I, sure, yeah, for sure. That's awesome. Yeah, so it's it's yeah, it's in the blood. Do do um are you a historian with boxing? Like do you do you look at the old school fighters or is it just more right what's going on right now? No, uh you know that them guys are the ones who started it. So uh you have to look at the old school fighters. I feel like I mean, I was just looking at the other night, uh just uh, smoking Joe Frazier in the Philly show. Oh, the Philly, of course. It was crazy, you know what I mean? But yeah. It was like, wow. Uh, but yeah, the, the old guys are, they they were the greats, you know what I mean? Rest in peace, Marvin Hagler. Um, yeah. Other great, you know what I mean? I love all them guys. And even today, I love, I love a lot of the fighters today. You mentioned the Philly thing. You mentioned Joe Frazier at Philly. Um, 
you know, when I think of Philly boxing, old school boxing, there is all these great fighters out of Philly. And then I feel like it kind of had a dip. But right. now there's a lot of guys coming up. I mean, you're coming up, uh, Jerron Boots Ennis, who had a great yeah, performance last Ron weekend. Ennis. Great performance on Saturday night. He's definitely ready for, you know, any world-class uh, opponent. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm with him 100% of the way. And I believe in him. He's, 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 he's naturally gifted. Yeah, he's he could do a little bit of everything, right? I mean, yeah. do you feel like boxing in Philly kind of has an uptick right now because there's young guys like like yourself yeah, and uh, Boots? I believe that you know Philly, Philly, Philly's coming back, and 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 you know we're we're coming back hard. Uh, cool boy Steph is a um, another you know world yep. champion in Philly. Uh, we got Boots. Uh, you know we had J Rock, and mm-hmm. he's he's still he's still relevant. Great fighter. Um, you know what I mean? So, yeah, so it's a lot of – we have Bryant Jennings fighting for the Bridgewater world title. That's uh, right, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, Philly, Philly's still here. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think Philly doesn't get the love it should because um, there's still great fighters coming out of the Philadelphia area. And I feel like it flies under the radar. Um, do you – is it like a goal of yours to – of course, I know you want to fight for a world title at some point and everything, but to maybe – come back to Philly and do, do that homecoming fight. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, I can, I can, I can, I can sell out an arena for sure. Uh, so definitely coming back to Philly would be wonderful. And uh, I think it would be huge. There's a lot of good American, young American heavyweights coming up right now, like yourself, uh, Jared Anderson, Stephen Shaw, is there anybody you have your eye on? Is there any specific guy that you look at and you're like, I want a piece of him. I think it'd be a good fight. We're both prospects kind of at that level. Is there anyone you're targeting? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm still young. I'm still growing. Uh, that's really up to my management team and, and, and what they do, you know. Uh, but, I mean, down the line, I'm sure that we're all going to meet one day. So, you know, it's only a matter of time. But, uh yeah, you know, I believe that we're all of us are growing, you know what I mean? And when we fight, we want to make it make sense, you know what I mean? We're in this right. thing, we're in this thing to, to, to get paid, you know what I mean? Of course. Uh, so, you know, it, of course, we, you know, like I said, I believe that we're all going to fight, you know, another Italian heavyweight, Guido Vianello, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's, um, yeah. That, what about him? Because I know he talked some trash at some point recently, didn't he? Uh well it wasn't him that talked trash it was his manager right and you know I think maybe you know that was maybe a little game plan that his manager had because he knows once once I I get you know a little more pro experience uh you know how, how that's gonna go but uh <laughs> you know yeah uh like I said all all of us young heavyweights are growing and uh. I believe, you know, all at the end of the day, one day we will meet. And, uh, and it's great for the sport. You know what I mean? It's an exciting time as long as you guys fight each other. Because I'm telling you, there's a lot of good young American heavyweights right now. So if you guys all start fighting each other. But I, it is a process. And that's what I was going to ask you about. Like, um, you've had the four rounders. Most of them haven't gone past the first round. Is there a plan in place? And, you know, have, have you discussed with your management maybe stepping up to the six-rounders, the eight-rounders? And how many fights do you think you want this year in 2021? Yeah, yeah, yes, absolutely. Uh, 
you know, don't forget, I'm coming off a 14 month layoff. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so you know, it's it's about getting back into the uh, into the group of things, and uh, I'm looking to fight four or five more times this year. So, wow. Uh, yeah. So as long as I as long as I stay healthy and you know everything goes according, I plan to be in the ring another four or five times this year, and uh, yeah. So. Have they mentioned anything to you about when you might be back? Like if it's going to be May, June, or have those talks just not happened yet? Uh, I'm hearing maybe uh, mid June, early July. Okay. So uh, you know we'll we'll see, but um, I, I'm getting ready to uh, head out to some camps, and uh, you know that's that's what it's all about: growing and and getting them 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 top ten guys that are already in the top ten, and you know being around them and sparring with them, and that's that's what I believe is gonna you know elevate my skill level and my ring IQ and everything else. Get you that experience. Well, I, I won't, I won't keep you much longer. Cause I know you got another workout to get to, uh, where can people follow you on social, Sonny? Yeah. So I'm on, uh, I'm on Instagram at Sonny underscore Kanto. I'm on Twitter at Sonny Kanto. And, uh, that's really all I use. Um, and you know, I answer my fans back. I'm not like these other fighters. Yeah. So, yeah. Which is a big deal. That's a big, big deal. I know that that's something you've talked about in different interviews that you try to respond to people and be interactive with the fans. So sure. everyone make sure you check that's them out. I think you're more, you're part. more active on Instagram though, probably. Right. Yes, definitely. I think that's a big part because, you know, without the fans, us fighters are nothing. Let's be honest. Right. Uh, also, we just dropped a thing called millions. Go check that out in my Instagram bio. You could tune into my training sessions. You could ask me anything. You can buy my merch, whatever it is that you please to do. And I, I appreciate you guys giving me this uh, opportunity. Yeah, absolutely, man. We'll do it again. Um, and uh, I'll post some links to, to your social and everything on the, on the vid. And uh, we'll uh, have a uh, good luck in training, you know, stay safe. And uh, hopefully we'll see you in the ring soon. And we'll see you back on the show soon too. Thank you so much. All right, have a good night. Ciao. See there he goes, everyone. And uh, sorry about Sonny's phone was breaking up a little bit. Um, he was inside. I, I know he's getting ready to go work out soon. So uh, apologies for the for the picture breaking up a little bit there. You know how it is with technology. Um, but yeah, man, I, look, if you didn't get a chance to see Sonny Kanto on the undercard of that Smith Vlasov fight, go back and watch it. Uh, I think it's out there on YouTube. I actually think Top Rank, it's it's on Top Rank's YouTube channel where they had that knockout. Uh, the thing about Sonny Kanto is he moves around pretty well. I have watched a lot of his trainings, uh, sessions, and mitt work and stuff like that, and uh, he's pretty light on his feet. He's definitely an athlete, and that's something that you see more and more and more with heavyweights. They're not just these big lumbering guys that swing for the fences, which is the stereotype of the super big heavyweights that are up over 230 pounds or so. Uh, Sonny's definitely a light on his feet kind of guy. And he's maybe going to be slightly undersized against some of the super, super big heavyweights. Everyone's going to be undersized against Tyson Fury. Uh, but even, you know, guys, of course, like Anthony Joshua, those types of heavyweights will be a little under, undersized. But I do think he has some natural athletic ability. And there's money in the right hand. There's money in the left hook. So he's definitely uh, somebody worth checking out. And um, for young American heavyweights right now, look, Jared Anderson and Stephen Upshaw, I'm sorry, Stephen Shaw, 
they're going to fight. And by the way, Steven's going to be on the show next week and they're going to fight next week on ring city. So we'll have Steven on here uh, to talk about that fight uh, preview before he gets in there and fights uh, Jared. So that's an awesome heavyweight fight. I just love that. We've got some young American heavyweights coming up and I hope they continue to fight each other. Very, very important. Um, all right, let's jump here. We did news and notes. Let's see. Uh, the phones are open, by the way, guys, if you want to call in. And um, let's jump right into this review, man. Let's just let's just jump through this. All right, uh, fight review. Let's start uh, in Wembley Arena over in London. Matchroom on the zone. Uh, Connor Ben with an impressive win. I mean, this guy's 24 years old. Uh, improves to 18-0 with a TKO1 win over Samuel Vargas. Of course, this was a welterweight fight. Ben is a welterweight prospect. Um, that's another division that has some young talent coming up right now that I'm excited about because the current top welterweights, I pretty much lost interest because they don't want to fight each other. But the young guys coming up in the welterweight division here in the United States and abroad uh, are exciting. And I think that as they go through the process of you know ironing out who's for real, who's not, hopefully they fight each other. But Connor Ben... Uh, look, this was a slightly premature stoppage. I know a lot of people were bitching about the stoppage, calling it the British stoppage. I think that's a little unfair, that term. There's early stoppages all over the world, people. But um, yeah, probably a little premature, but the writing was on the wall and Ben looked explosive and he jumped right on him. And he kind of caught Vargas cold there. Vargas really didn't throw back much. I would have liked to have seen the fight continue so that we could see um, Ben get some real work in. But this was an impressive win for him, and it's an exciting win, and he moves forward. Uh, there's some substance to this kid because of who his family, his father was, and the family he comes from. There are people out there that are going to question him and say, oh, well, he's, he's you know, uh, he's just living off that name, whatever, because we've seen plenty of that, right? But I think there's some real substance there. It's going to be fun to watch him develop. Let's talk about the ladies fighting on this card. Now, I did a little teaser video on my channel, Montero Unboxing, this morning. So I won't repeat everything I said there, but I, I will repeat a few points. Uh, Shannon Courtney wins a unanimous decision win over e Ebony Bridges, wins the vacant bantamweight title. One of the, I don't even know what damn sanctioning organization it was. Who cares? Vacant title there at bantamweight. Some felt the scorecards were a bit wide. Maybe they were a bit wide, but as I said in my video earlier, I felt that Courtney, she won the fight. Courtney won the fight. Uh, 6-4, Okay, if you saw the fight a draw, I can I can live with that. I can understand that. But I think you're giving Bridges all the swing rounds if you score a draw. I thought that the better work overall was from the UK fighter. And I asked this earlier on, on the video I posted because there's a lot of people out there that just love to shit all over women's boxing. And look, I, I talk real about it, okay? You guys know this. Uh, it's it's an ongoing, ever-growing part of the boxing discussion, women's boxing. It is here, and it is going to continue to grow. So those of you who are uncomfortable with it and it pisses you off, like you just need to learn to accept it because some of these ladies can fight, all right? And um, real talk, when you get over 147, 147 pounds, the talent pool is extremely limited. OK, but as you go down in weight, particularly as you get to 135 and below, the talent pool is pretty good. At 118, there's some really, really good fighters. I thought these two ladies put on a good fight. I asked this on my video earlier. Uh, were you entertained? 
I asked it like five or six different times in that video, were you entertained? If you were entertained and you thought that this was a compelling, competitive fight, what more do you want? Uh, These women are not calling themselves the greatest of all time. They're not comparing themselves to the male fighters. They're not saying they knock out all the guys in their division. They're not saying that they're more accomplished and deserve more money than 90% of the male fighters out there. There's no delusion with these two women. They were talking about each other. They were talking shit about each other, talking up their fight, promoting their fight. And then they went in the ring and backed it all up. And for especially for Ebony Bridges, who came up short in this fight, I think she was slightly, slightly outclassed. I just think Shannon Courtney was the more seasoned pro and a little smoother, a little classier with her technique. Um, she Bridges had to really, really put up because she talked a lot of trash and she she gets heat for showing some skin and everything. And she defends herself. She's very, very confident. She says, look, this is who I am. This is how I market myself, love it or leave it, basically, right? And she had to show up and not suck. She had to show up and fight well. And to her credit, she was competitive in this fight. And I thought she won some rounds. I think one judge had this like almost a shutout. Like that That was too wide, okay? I think that... um Bridges came in there, won some rounds, did very well, put for herself. Remember, guys, this was a massive step up in class for her. I think this was her sixth pro fight. The five girls that she had fought prior to this were not very good. So she was going from very, very weak opposition to top-level opposition, right? Because I think you all agree Shannon Courtney is a top-10 fighter at Bantamweight. So uh, for her to take that step up in class and fight the way that she did, I thought was impressive. It exceeded my expectations. Now on the other side, Shannon Courtney, she, I thought in spots showed some really clever footwork. She had a fighter coming in at her, like bum rushing her, bowling her really, really aggressive. She turned bridges a lot. She got off some good shots down the middle. Uh, It's sometimes around the guard, but a lot of times right down the middle in between bridges uh, combinations that shows some craft. And then to use your feet backing up along the ropes, touch your opponent, turn her, get out and repeat for 10 rounds. That shows craft. There was blood in this fight. After all the shit talk, the blood, the excitement, all that, the two girls hugged and they posted photos on social and stuff. And there's respect there. So I think you got a little bit of everything in this fight and you guys need to give these ladies some credit. Let's give them some credit. Here we go. I'm going to, I'm doing my applause sound effect. They deserve some damn credit, okay? I thought this was an entertaining, fun fight. And in a weekend where there were multiple showcases, right, especially on undercards, you had a nice quality scrap here on an undercard. It was actually the main event of this card that turned out to be uh, kind of a showcase, the way it ended. Also on the undercard, Savannah Marshall improves to 10-0 and 0, uh, with a TKO3 win. This was the first defense of her middleweight title. She needs to step up the opposition, all right? She needs to step up the opposition uh, as a pro. She fought some good fighters as an amateur, highly accomplished amateur. But, um, yeah, as a pro, just, and again, the opposition at 160, you know, isn't quite there. I get it. But Clarissa Shields has faced much better. As much as I say her resume is weak, she's still faced much better opposition than Savannah Marshall so far. So T. Marshall, Eddie Hearn need to get on it. This girl's 29 years old, so let's get on it. But having said all that, 
there's some smoothness there. There's some really, really nice, sneaky uh, ways that she sets up her power. Now, how will all that work when she steps up? We shall see. But down the line, there is a potential big fight between her and Clarissa Shields. Now, I got to bring up Clarissa Shields here because I didn't see this tweet until just before I went live today in the show. But, of course, Clarissa had to talk some trash after seeing Savannah Marshall fight. And for the record, Savannah Marshall's opponent was a last-minute replacement. And, you know, this was a huge, huge – there was a huge gap in class and size and everything else in this fight. So this was – you know, she got some rounds in and everything. But, as I said before, needs to step it up. But Clarissa Shields tweeted – uh, this was what last night, I think it was. Um, Eddie can say what he wants. He knows he get the money right that the great white hope will be no more. So I'm just going to leave that right there. I'm really not going to comment on that. I just think that obviously if other fighters had tweeted something like that, they'd be in trouble. If other commentators had said something like that, they'd be fired. Um, Clarissa tweets a lot of stuff like that. She says a lot of stuff like that where it really doesn't belong. And there's other ways to build up that fight. This is why Clarissa's fan base is pretty limited because comments like that, that's, that's terminology from the 1950s. I mean, honestly, that tech, that terminology just does not hold up in the modern boxing scene outside of certain YouTube, YouTube channels. Um, So that sort of thing. I don't know. I don't know if that's the right way to uh, to build up that potential fight down the line. All right, some super chats here. Uh, Trent Don Perillo, a uh, couple couple super chats. Thank you very much, my man. He says uh, Savannah Marshall got a big TKO wa- uh, win. Wants Clarissa. Yeah, look, that fight down the line, I think is is a big big deal. I think that Clarissa, or I'm sorry, Savannah needs more development as a pro though, because Clarissa has a, many more pro fights. And she has faced the better opposition, and she has grown and improved as a pro. So Savannah needs to get busier and step up the opposition quick, in my opinion. Uh, Trent with another super chat. Thanks again, Trent. He says, uh, tickets for Ramirez, Taylor, when can I buy? We're still waiting on a damn announcement, man. I, man, oh, man. I don't know what's up with top rank. Guys, Um All I can say with that is all I can do is kind of assume with the Taylor Ramirez stuff is they're going back and forth between different venues. It will be in Vegas. You can go ahead and book your travel to Vegas now. Okay. That fight is going down in Vegas, but they're trying to figure out uh, exactly which venue it has to do with where they can get more tickets, where they can get more people in there because they want to sell tickets for that show. It is going to be a seller. It's going to be a hot ticket item. Trent with a third super chat. Thank you so much, Trent. Says, uh, I like Williams over Andre. I hope William Hill takes bets on it. I got Williams by stoppage. Wow. Not good that his stablemate, Willie Hutchinson, just got KO. Interesting. Interesting. Let me tell you, Trent, you are not the only guy taking Williams over Andre. You are not the only one, my man. Uh, I will... I will talk about that later in the show, obviously, but that that's a bold bet, dude. I don't know what the odds are on that, but if you're getting good odds and it's worth it, might be worth taking that bet. All right, back to the review. Uh, PBC on Showtime, Mohegan Sun Casino, Ucantsville, uh, Connecticut, Jerron Boots Ennis 
improves to 27-0, KO6 win over Sergey Lipinets. He is a very, very impressive fighter. So of every single prospect in boxing, Jerron Boots Ennis is obviously the bluest of blue chips. In fact, I think it's safe to say at this point, he has proven himself to be a top 10 welterweight, and he is no longer a prospect. He is a legitimate contender. I don't think there is any welterweight in the world that decisively beats Boots Ennis right now. I don't even know if there's a there's a 154 or 160 that significantly defeats Jerron Boots Ennis right now. There are guys I would pick to beat him if they were to fight right now. What I'm telling you is it would be competitive, highly competitive. This guy can do everything. The only thing we don't know about for sure, the only damn thing, is if he could take a big punch. We haven't seen that yet. So um, that's the one question mark, right? But everything else, man, check, 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 check. Every damn checkbox on the list, he checks it off. He's got everything. Really, really impressive performance. Now, some people may be overdoing it. Does this mean Jerron Boots Ennis should be on the pound for pound list? Does this mean that he's already should be in the top five welterweight ratings? Slow down. He's got to prove all those things in the ring, people. Eye test? Yes. But Sergey Lipinets, was he a top 10 welterweight? No. Right? Has he been, uh, did he look great in his last few fights? Not particularly. So very good win for Ennis. He deserves massive credit. Passed the test. But you guys, some of you guys jumped the gun a bit on this stuff. Pump the brakes. Let's see him in there against a top 10 welterweight later this year. That's what I want to see. And then we could get even more excited. But everyone's excited about this kid. Uh, let's see. Lithuanian welterweight prospect. Imantis Stanionis improved to 13-0 with the unanimous decision win over Thomas Dolorme, who is now 1-3-1 in his last five fights, but has been fighting really good opposition. In fact, Thomas Dolorme is probably up there as one of the best resumes in all of boxing, just in terms of who he fights. Yes, he comes up short most of the time when he steps up. But in terms of being willing to fight the best fighters and guys like this coming up, good-looking prospects coming up, Dolorme is one of those guys that we really need more of in boxing. Boxing could use more Thomas Dolormes for being willing to get in there and always giving dudes quality rounds. Staniono's got 12 really good rounds with Dolorme. This will make him a much better fighter. I like Stanionis. There's a lot of good things he does. He's a bull in there. There's subtle craft to the way he fights, but I don't, there seems to be a lack of real game changing power. And also um, he needs to really, really get set to throw the big power punches. So um, there's some stuff to iron out there, but in terms of his craft and everything and his strength, uh, he's going to be a problem as, as he develops. Also on this card, Jorwood Ancajas, unanimous decision win over Jonathan Rodriguez. Of course, this was a super flyweight fight, or junior bantamweight, as I prefer. Uh, again, he won that title in 2016, and somewhat disappointing run. There are other guys at 115. I'd much rather see him fight. However, based on his last few fights, I don't think Ancajas would be all that competitive with the likes of Ioka, Chocolatito, and Estrada. I'd love to be proven wrong, though. I'd love to see those fights happen. All right, top rank on ESPN at the Osage Casino in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We talked to Sonny Canto earlier in the show. He was on this card, got a TKO1 win 
All other uh, young heavyweights, Effie Jagba, Jared Anderson, and Trey Lippe all got stoppage wins on that card as well. A lot of heavyweight action, and Top Rank has invested in these young heavyweights. So they see something there too. Top Rank knows what they're doing. They know the trends. They're always a little bit ahead of the game uh, in comparison to the other American promoters. And for them to sign this little group of young heavyweights, they see something there. They see potential good fights down the line between these guys. But, of course, this is all about the main event. Joe Smith Jr. edges it out. Majority decision win over Maxim Vlasov. Claims the vacant WBO light heavyweight title. Of course, this was scheduled to hit or uh, go earlier in the year. And then uh, Vlasov tested positive for COVID, apparently. I say apparently because there's so many false positives these days. And he didn't look bad in this fight. He looked really, really good. He didn't look like a guy that had a serious viral infection that, you know, had him out of there for a couple of weeks where he couldn't move. It looked like, and he claimed that he went back home and tested and everything and came back negative. So he claimed, he, he thought it was a false positive. Sure, it looked like it in the ring. But did I not tell you guys that Maxim Vlasov was battle-tested and that he was going to be um, competitive with Joe Smith and be a problem? Now, I picked Joe Smith. I picked him to win, okay? But I thought that Vlasov, having fought that cruiserweight, fought those 200-pounders, moving down to 175, was going to be able to handle Smith's power. And he has got so much experience. In fact, I'm going to go through here. Let me see. I'm going to see if I can share my screen. Um, hang on one second, guys. Yeah, here we go. I'm go ahead and share this screen right here. Check it out. I'm, I got his box rec pulled up. And this is Maxim Vlasov here. Back in 2011, he fought Isaac Chalemba, right? Now, he came up short, but that's a good fight. He fought Isaac Chalemba. Guys, that was a decade ago. We go up, we go up, and here he is fighting Gilberto Ramirez. These fights were at 170, mind you, uh, in 2015. Came up short, but good rounds. Going the distance with these guys. Later on, at Cruiserweight, he went up to Cruiserweight and fought there for years. Fought Christoph Glovaki. Goes the distance with him. That's a guy with power. Ends up going back down to 175, fights Isaac Chalemba again, and then Joe Smith Jr. So the uh, resumes there as far as the quality of opposition. And all that experience helped him in there against Joe Smith. Now, this decision was somewhat controversial. There were a lot of people out there that felt that Vlasov won it. I guess it really depends on what you preferred. So let's quickly talk about punch numbers. Go ahead and cringe. But I have to give Joe Smith credit. You don't need CompuBox to see that in the 11th and 12th round, he went out there and got busy. And he clearly outworked Vlasov and won those last two rounds. And I think that's why people are okay with this decision for the most part. No one's calling it a robbery because Smith clearly took those last two rounds. Now, a lot of you out there felt he needed to win those two rounds just to get a draw, including one of the judges. So I ain't mad at you if you feel that this should have been a draw. But it's 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 a tough sell to me that Vlasov won when he didn't close the way Joe Smith closed. Championship rounds. You got to go there and take it, dude. I didn't like Vlasov's body language in the 10th with the punch to the back of the head. That was kind of a love tap. Vlasov was clearly winded there. I'm not saying he was looking for a break. I'm not saying he lied about getting hit in the back of the head. 
I think he milked it a little bit. I think there was some veteran maneuvering there. And after that 10th round, when he, when he took that knee and, and got a break and everything from the ref, in the 11th and 12th rounds, Smith won those rounds and controlled them. So I just thought that Smith gutted it out in the very, very end of the fight. But I had him down going into those championship rounds. I, I mean, uh, going into the 10th, I should say. And from that point forward, Smith really had to take the fight and grind it out. So uh, CompuBox credited Smith with landing 74 punches in the final two rounds. Uh, also, this is worth noting. Vlasov, according to CompuBox, landed more power punches, 187 to 174. That indicates he did a little more work in the power punching category. However, here's what's interesting. Smith won the battle of the jab. He won, He doubled the number of jabs. He landed 52 jabs to 27 for uh, for Vlasov. So almost doubling. Doubling, of course, would be 54. So almost 52 to 27. Also, and here's a big one, body punching. Smith landed 53 body punches. Vlasov landed 10. For some reason, there are people out there who do not like to rate jabs when they're scoring rounds, and they don't like to rate body punching when they score rounds, particularly with bigger fighters. All judges and, and fans seem to rate body punching when it's featherweights, when it's lightweights, when it's bantamweights. But you go to 160 or higher, and suddenly jabs don't mean shit and body punches don't mean shit. Joe Smith won, he clearly won in those punching categories, okay? Now, you don't score by punch numbers. You score by rounds. And in terms of rounds, first eight, nine rounds, I thought Vlasov won more rounds. He did better work in more of the rounds. But just on pure activity in punching, those last few rounds, yes, I'm only scoring it on activity in punching, effective punching, effective aggression. I thought Smith took those final few rounds. So I'm good with the draw, but I'm also good with 115-113 for Smith. The one judge who had it 115-112, that means he scored that 10th round 10-8, I think, which you don't do. That wasn't a 10-8 round, so that's stupid. But 115-113, that means you gave Joe Smith seven rounds. You gave Vlasov five rounds. That's within that's within the range. That's cool. Anything wider than that, I think, would be egregious. If you scored at 115-113 for Vlasov, I can see that too. It really does depend on what you prefer. For me, body language-wise, okay, just watching it. I didn't score this as an official judge. I was watching it just as a fan. Watching this, seeing who closed the show stronger, who controlled the action in the last three rounds of the fight, for the most part, that was Joe Smith. So I was cool with him edging it out and getting this decision. Uh, was this a scintillating, thrilling victory? No. However, let's not have short memories here, people. Remember when Jamel Herring fought uh, Okendo? last year, right? And that fight got delayed a bunch of times. There was COVID tests, there was positives, then negatives and all this stuff. His rhythm got thrown off. He didn't look real good. Then he has a, a regular camp where he's totally in rhythm, peaks at the right time, gets in there against uh, Frampton and how do you look? Same thing, Tiafima Lopez. We go back, his fight with Nakatani and then how he looked against Komei in Lomachenko. So everyone who's shitting on Joe Smith Jr. right now and saying, oh, he ain't shit. He didn't deserve this decision. Boo, boo, boo. Look, man, I think he's going to look different if and when he ends up fighting Artur Beterbiev. And 
you could tell by the broadcast ESPN and everybody there knows that's where top rank is going. So at some point, I would say in the third quarter of this year, maybe fourth quarter, because Smith had some cuts that he has to deal with and heal up. You we're going to see Joe Smith Jr. and Artur Baturbiev uh, unify three of the four titles at light heavyweight. That is a fantastic can't miss action fight. And that Joe Smith that we see in that fight is going to look much better than the guy we saw against Maxim Vlasov this Saturday. Mark my words. All right. Let's go to uh, fight preview time. And I should get a drink of water, man. I'm losing my voice. Whew. Actually, let's go to the comments real quick. I want to show some of the comments here from you guys. Um, Costas says that it was a good close fight. I had a draw. Uh, Smith needs to improve or else he gets stopped by Baturbiev. I don't know if, if Smith is going to get any better than he is right now. I think he's as good now as he's ever going to be. And um, why not make the damn fight Smith and Baturbiev? And also don't forget, Baturbiev has had a lot of injuries. Hasn't been the most active guy. Uh, Jordan is a brown cat. He says that's going to be a hell of a fight. Hell yeah. I'm definitely looking forward to that one. I think that's going to be an amazing freaking fight. Oh, by the way, Zach D says hit the like button. That's right. Hit the damn like button. Don't just hit it. Smash it. Jab it. All right? Everyone hit the damn like button. There's only 18 thumbs up on this video right now. More than double that amount are watching live. So you just need to get busy hitting that thumbs up button. Okay. Preview time. Uh, before I get to Saturday, so Saturday, April 17th, there are three different uh, cards. We keep getting this thing, man, where every Saturday it's three cards, which in a way is good, but in a way is not so good. Because you, you want to see all the attention on one event. But anyway, uh, I think it's, I'm trying to think, I, I, it's Wednesday or Thursday. I'm sorry, guys, I don't remember the exact day. I think it's Wednesday. There is a matchroom card in Milan, Italy on the zone uh, featuring cruiserweight Fabio Turkey in the main event. So I just want to make sure that I mentioned that. Uh, let me jump back to the chat here. John Uden on the chat. He says, uh, can Smith Beterbi have sell enough to be in the big room at MS MSG? Or do you see it more as MSG theater? Dude, pre-COVID, pre-COVID, I think it could be an MSG. Would it sell it out? That I don't know about. But I think that would be in the regular room at MSG pre-COVID. Post-COVID, I don't know. You got to remember, man, Smith is from New York. This would be a, a title unification. Uh, it would definitely bring a, a huge media presence. And I think it would bring a, a large fan presence, too. I think that the Russian fans would be tuning in. The New Yorkers would be there. I think it would be a regular MSG. But could a fight like that happen post-COVID? That I don't know. I really don't know what's up with the uh, COVID restrictions in New York. Uh, the governor there is a moron. Um, you know, I won't go into that too much. But, you know, it's who knows what's going to happen there. Uh, likely that fight goes to Vegas. That would be my guess. All right. Uh, Saturday, April 17th. Three different cards. Let's start here in Atlanta. We're at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium downtown. It's Triller on pay-per-view. I will be covering this event. I will be there live covering this event for ringtv.com. And I will try to do a ringside recap there. So just to give you guys a little inside information, um, they're not having any ringside media, and they're having very limited fans at this thing. 
And they probably could do a pretty good crowd, especially here in Atlanta. But they're trying to – I think there's a certain uh, theme that they're going for with these Fight Night series cards on Triller. And with the media, they specifically told us that they're going to be putting us up in suites, which I'm like, cool, you're going to put me up in the suite, all right. Uh, so I'll be kind of elevated and kind of having the um, – I guess the the camera view that you normally get on the broadcast, that's probably the view of the ring that we're going to get. But so there's going to be no ringside media, which probably is good because there's going to be like a concert mixed with a fight card. So I, my, I don't want to blow out my eardrums. So being up in the suite, that, that works for me. And we're not going to get any in-person interviews with the fighters. All the interviews will be done via a Zoom link that they're going to have all of us uh, jump onto. So we're going to, they're going to put the fighters who are already in a bubble, they're going to stay in that bubble after they leave uh, the ring, of course, and get cleaned up and stuff. They'll be in the bubble and we will do like a Zoom interview with them. So all my interviews will be via Zoom. But if I can, I want to do a ringside recap, like a live video from there. I'll try to do that for you guys just to show, uh, just to give my thoughts on the experience because I'm expecting this to be different than any other event I've ever covered. So that's part of the reason why I wanted to cover it because um, I, I just I think it's going to be very interesting with uh, the, the now the fan base that you know because I have friends that covered uh, was it Logan Paul's fight in L.A. going or maybe it was Jake Paul one of the Paul dudes in L.A. before COVID and I have colleagues that were there and they were saying like dude just the people that were at that fight it is unlike any boxing event I've ever covered. So I was really interested in that. So it's a shame to, in one respect that there's not going to be a lot of fans there. So I'm not going to get that experience, but Snoop Dogg's going to be there. All these people and they're going to have, I think Justin Bieber's doing music. There's all these other guys. So that whole experience, that is what I kind of want to commentate about and give you guys some, some just um, immediate thoughts. So if I can, I will do a video but of course, even if I can't, on the neutral corner, you know, TNC 263 next week, I'll talk about my experience in detail. I'll let you guys know what it's like to go to one of these shows and how it differs from a traditional boxing show. So in the main event, not a whole lot I can talk about. Jake Paul, 2-0, going up against Ben Askren, who is making his boxing debut. He was 19-2 and as an MMA fighter. Um, I, I guess, well, Paul is 24 years old. And Askren is 36 years old. This is an eight-round cruiserweight fight. And Paul's a little taller, a little longer, definitely younger and fresher. But this is still, all things being considered, probably a step-up fight for Paul because um, Askren is a literal combat athlete. I mean, he's retired and he's over the hill and everything, but he was a highly accomplished amateur wrestler, MMA fighter, and I don't even know what the hell this is, but he's been getting into disc golf recently. And he's a highly accomplished disc golfer, for those of you who know what that is. Anyway, he is a, an experienced combat athlete. And so this will be the first time that Jake Paul will be fighting an experienced combat athlete. So in that sense, you could call it a step-up fight. The fight that I'm interested in on this one is the co-main. Regis Pro Gray, 25-1 going up against Ivan Redcatch. This is uh, 10 rounds, 140 pounders. Both of these guys are southpaws. Redcatch is always in exciting fights. He always brings it. Pro Gray, always in exciting fights, always brings it. Do not expect this to go the distance, but it's going to be a damn good, exciting, entertaining fight. For Pro Gray, this will be his second fight since uh, losing to Josh Taylor in the World Boxing Super Series. 
uh, finale in October of 2019. So after this, I'd like to see him get a little busier the rest of this year and uh, get back in there against a top 10 guy for Red Catch. Last, his last few fights have been at welterweight. He started at lightweight. So he's kind of fought all over the place and kind of, you know, I'm not saying he's becoming an opponent, but he's kind of becoming that, that guy that gets tossed around a little bit here. He's coming off a unanimous decision loss to Danny Garcia last January. I think he has something to really prove in this fight. But having been in there against legit welterweights and taking that power, coming down to 140, I think that'll serve him well. All right, uh, Matchroom on the zone from Hollywood, Florida. Demetrius Andre, 29-0, and 0, undefeated, going up against Liam Williams, defending his WBO middleweight title. Andre's first fight since last January, so it's been, what, 15, 16 months since he's been in the ring uh, for Smith, or I'm sorry, for uh, Williams. He is facing his best opponent as a pro. He is 7-0 since the two losses to Liam Smith back in 2017. 7-0 since that, but against limited opposition. So this is a huge step up in class for Williams. And for Andre, as usual, just hasn't been very busy, very active. All that being said, I just think Andre is levels above Williams. I think Williams is going to give him um, some problems, some something to think about. He's going to give him something to think about. He's one of his better opponents in a while, but I think that Andre is going to win a unanimous decision here and clearly uh, win this fight. Also on this card, Carlos Gongora. Remember him? 19-0 super middleweight coming off that upset W over Ali Akhmedov in December. He is fighting Christopher Pearson, who is a guy, Christopher Pearson. It's been interesting to watch his career. I covered him in the World Series of Boxing back in 2010. Covered a couple of his fights in the World Series of Boxing back in 2010 before he started fighting pro. So um, it's just always interesting to see where guys go from, from there. And also on this card, uh, interesting heavyweight to keep an eye on. Muhammad Ra- Rasul, Muhammad Rasul Majidov. 3-0, 34 years old, uh, from Azerbaijan. Fought in the 2012 and 2016 Olympics. 2011 and 2013 amateur world champion. Also fought in the World Series of Boxing. He is going up against Andre Fedosov, an experienced heavyweight who has not been very active in a long time, but is a solid experienced heavyweight if he's anywhere near the, the form he was at his best. But uh, Majidov, a little up there in age, 34 years old, but with all that amateur experience, he's got some tools. He's a guy to keep an eye on. And then in Los Angeles, PBC on Fox, Tony Harrison taking on Bryant Perella. I think that's an interesting fight. These two guys are kind of in a crossroads in their career, and um, that will be an interesting one. Uh, of course, that's junior middleweights, 10 rounds. Also on that card, Omar Juarez, 10-0, uh, 140-pounder out of Texas, and Vito Melnicki, 8-0, is a welterweight prospect. They are on the undercard. So that is that with the preview. Um, Harrison Perella, you know, you got to favor Harrison in that fight, but Perella might give him some some uh, some trouble there. And Harrison can kind of be hot and cold. And as I always say, he's really a five-round fighter, man. As the fight gets later and later, he tends to uh, fade a little bit. So that could get interesting late, but I favor Harrison. I like Andre over Williams. I like Paul to beat Askren. I like... Pro grade to beat Red Catch by stoppage. It could be an explosive one, too. And that should be a fun fight. That's how I see it. That's how I chop it all up uh, this weekend, guys. All right. So 
We are just under an hour. We'll get to a couple of quick comments and um, we'll get out of here. Hawker Mustang in the chat says Clarissa Shields definitely wants to fight Savannah Marshall in a mega event for women's boxing, according to his promoter, Dimitri Salida. Yes, that is true. And she's been talking that trash on Twitter. Twall 1999 says Askren is a great wrestler, terrible at striking. Paul will destroy him in three rounds max. You're probably right. I've seen it before. I've seen him before, at least on Twitter. I don't want to talk bad about the guy, but damn, oh, he doesn't necessarily know how to throw a punch the right way. Uh, Trenton on Peril says it's a circus show. You don't, you look, you're not alone in that, but I am interested in that pro gray red catch fight. And I really want to go, not just because it's here where I live now, but I've never been to an event like this. And I feel that it wouldn't be fair for me to just shit all over it and talk all kinds of trash without actually going there and covering the event and being fair so I want to see what it's all about. And I promise you guys, I will give you the real, okay? The good, the bad, the ugly, all of it. I'm not just going to do a puff piece. You know, I ain't built that way. But if there are uh, some things that deserve, you know, some uh, complimentary you know, complimentary words, I'll go there. You know, I'll give people credit where credit's due. We'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, Jacques Gospic on the chat says, Bridges Courtney was more of a show of will than skill. And for the, and that was for a world title. What's more insult is there were seven other women ranked higher, also eligible. I hear you. And I, I don't disagree with most of that, okay? It was more about will than skill. But guys, I talked about this in uh, the video I did this morning. Especially, let's stick with women's boxing, okay? We've seen uh, Sinicia Estrada destroy a girl in, what, 10 seconds? We've seen Clarissa Shields fight girls that had no business being in the ring with her. Uh, Savannah Marshall's opponent had no business being in the ring with her. We see that sort of thing all the time. So at least what you got here was a competitive action fight where Will was displayed. I do think there was some skill displayed, but yes, probably more Will. But let's give them credit. Let's give these girls credit. And there's plenty of bullshit title over in men's boxing too. Let's not, we can't just, is the talent pool greater in men's boxing? Of course, you're comparing a puddle to an ocean of talent, okay? Yes, I've talked about this before. And there's nothing sexist about what I'm saying. It's just the reality. However, man, you can't pretend that there aren't email titles in boxing and there aren't paper titles and the WBA doesn't have five champions in each damn division in men's boxing because they do. Uh, you know, so how many diamond champions and interim champions and all this exist in men's boxing? So we can shit all over the, the female fight. I understand what you're saying. At least what I'm saying back to you is let's at least give them credit for showing up, putting on a good action fight, uh, backing up the trash talk and having a competitive uh, match in the ring. That was actually fun to watch. If it wasn't your cup of tea, I get it. Cool. But I, you know, it, it, they didn't fight for the ring magazine championship. They fought for one of the sanctioning body titles. That is what it is, guys. There are, most of those titles are weak. Jamel Herring was on the show last week, and he said in this era of boxing, to be seen as a real champion, you have to unify titles and or fight for the lineal title. And I completely agree with Jamel. He was spitting truth when he said that. And this is a dude who has one of those, you know, alphabet titles right now. And he was telling the truth there. So. We got to be careful because 
we could talk just as much shit about most <clears throat> most of the titles in men's boxing. Oh man, okay, losing my voice. Trent down Peril with another super chat. Thanks, Trent. You've been awesome today, bro. He says, "Yeah, Pro Gray is going to destroy Red Catch. I can see that happening, but maybe Red Catch will surprise us because, like I said, he's been fighting at welterweight. He's been fighting bigger guys." And Progray hasn't been the most active dude in the world. Red Catch hasn't either. I don't think Red Catch has fought in over a year. So I don't know. Maybe it'll show us something. But yeah, on paper, Progray should score a big knockout here. That's that's what I see. And I, you know, highlight real exciting type of knockout because Progray is capable of that. John Newton says Milnicki has been looking huge in the ring lately at just 18. Him and Zayas both look destined for 160, 168. Completely agree. And those are two guys right there that, you know, are going to be fun to watch uh, as they develop. There's some really, really good young talent in the sport right now. We are in a good place as long as these guys fight each other. If they don't and they stay on their little platforms and all the zone prospects stay here and all the ESPN prospects stay here, then th- this is not going to be good. But if these guys end up fighting each other, man, tell you guys, if, if Boots Ennis and Virgil Ortiz end up fighting at some point over the next three years or so, and maybe they end up fighting two or three times, you can't tell me those won't be big fights because they will. Hawker Mustang says, like it or not, Paul versus Askren is going to be one of the biggest boxing events of the year. Uh, You might be right. You might be right. That's depressing. On that note, (laughs) on that note, we are out of here. Justin S says, mom trunks. Who had the mom trunks? I didn't even see that. Uh, Zach D asking, how much pay-per-views did she sell last month? I assume you're talking about Clarissa Shields. It wasn't very many, and that's why no one's reported the numbers other than a couple of yes men that said, oh, it did very well, and then gave no details. It didn't do very well, and that's not to put down Clarissa. It just wasn't a pay-per-view-worthy event. All right, guys, that is it for the show. Oh, right when I'm about to go, my mouse freezes up. Of course. I don't know why it keeps doing this. This is a brand new freaking computer, man. Shouldn't do this. Let's see here. I'm trying to click off. It won't let me click off. Ah! Hey, man, you guys will just rock with the outro music here. My my brother's outro music. Zach D has another good comedy. He says, Clarissa needs to go to the zone. It's bigger in Europe. I, I think Clarissa is going to just do these one-offs here and there, man, where she gets money. That's what she's most concerned about, dude. And I think there's a little bit of delusion there. All right, guys. Um, that's it. We will see. Uh, maybe I'll see you guys Saturday night at that Triller show. If not, we'll see you back here next Monday on TNC. See you at the fights.